Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of iCast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara, Lance Thalen, and Fleeple. So, last episode, we had a classic D&D moment where we split the party, unintentional to some of our players, as they traveled through these libraries or the rooms of the Library of Candlekeep, the forgotten library, if you will. They came across a mysterious room that had no books but five gigantic statues of giants. After some brief explanation and uh, dismissal, Ruzdesk moved on, but the party lingered, resulting in Fleeple shoving his face into some magical blue liquid and received this giant rune of the storm giant floating just above his forehead. After pursuing um, Ruzdesk and delving deeper into the library, they came across the trap that he had mentioned. This trap seemed to be twofold, one with a massive jet of fire sprouting forth that was magical based, and the other being the floor collapsing underneath them. While Lance, Ruzdesk, and Fleeple tried to figure out this trap, tried to get uh, their bearings, Malamara was alerted by her familiar Zaza that the book she was seeking, the Demonomicon, was just behind them in the religion section. Mal, surprisingly with a stealth that has not been with her for most of this campaign, slipped away on her own into the religion section. In frustration, shoved herself against a bookcase before it revealed a secret passage moving deeper into the library. And that is where we pick up this week's episode. So, Malamara, you've pressed your weight into this, for lack of a better word, secret passage. And the blackness and darkness stretches before you. Before we get to you, we will jump back to Fleeple and Lance to see if they're, how they are making progress on defusing this trap, unaware that you have left, or if they have any ideas on how to deal with this situation that they're in. Well, Malamara, what do you think about this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think we're going to come up with a better idea than this fastball special. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have an idea. Thomas, the, the statue of the dragon thing, does it have any gaps in it? Gaps in what way? Like just in, in its resting state? You're talking about the dragon head on the door? Inside the mouth of the dragon head, there's like a passage into the next chamber. Yes. As the dragon head was opening before it shot the fire out, you saw that there was a small opening into the next room so you could see briefly before the fire blasted into this hallway. So the dragon head, is it currently like uh, just baring its its teeth or what does it look like closed? Yeah, so when it's closed, its mouth is closed and its teeth are all, as you stated, baring its teeth down. Are there any gaps into the mouth from it, like, kind of girding its teeth? Are there any gaps in between the teeth or in the back of the jaw? If there are, it would be barely enough to glance through. And it, even then, 
as you go and you look through some of these gaps, you can't see into the next room itself through the gaps, just the way that the mouth is in its closed state. So not like big pockets of air or not, not big caps. It's just like maybe a millimeter. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know if this is plausible, Fleeple, but I've seen you turn into great beasts and and battle-ready creatures, but could you turn into something small enough to fit through one of those gaps, perchance? I believe I should be able to. Like a fly or a gnat, which is a type of fly. (laughs) Yes, I believe I should be able to. The big question, I suppose, is something that is small enough to fit through, but also fast enough to get through and not get hit by the fire. Well, from, from all things that we've seen and all things that Mr. Banished over here, Mr. The Banished... According to Roostesk over here, Roostesk banished, the thing that triggers it is touch. But if you're able to slip through the gaps, you might not touch it and get through. But I do concur, there is a great risk, <laughs> if that's not the case, that you could be trapped in the middle of that. <laughs> Main problem is I can't turn into anything that can fly for two more levels. Oh. Mm. If only there was a benevolent god... <laughs> <laughs> could bestow more experience upon us. Yes, Bahamut, are you listening? It's me, Fleeple. Okay. <laughs> All right. Lance, as you're looking around, uh, I believe I forgot to mention this previously with some of your perception investigation checks, but previously I'd mentioned that um, you hear, you perceive that up on a wall, there's the clicking, like this is where maybe the gears are, but it's near the ceiling. Also with that perception check, if you hear that, you would have noticed that there is a way to climb this wall with some cleverly disguised, but not so obviously hidden handholds climbing up. They're, they're mainly like bricks sticking out of the wall. Oh, that's a big but thing. But just like, but slightly. Um, so it's not like an obvious thing for you to climb. And the bricks are... Was purposely hidden through their color and with how they're arranged in the pattern. Climb, climb up to what? The gears. Oh, I can see the gears. You can hear them, and you see the bricks going up to that sound. Okay, because you said it was behind a, or you made it sound like it was behind a wall last time. So I was like, oh, there's no point. I can't get behind a wall. Yeah, I did make it sound like that, didn't I? <laughs> well, no, I'm sorry. Okay, well, that's that's really helpful. I will then, if we are so engrossed in the task at hand, I will then say, Fleeple, I just remembered also there's something on the wall over there (laughs) that I didn't even think about. There's these footholds that I could climb up to the gears. Oh, goodness. Well, you know, we always discover new things about the world around us. That's why learning is such a beautiful thing. It's true. It's true. You are a a gentleman and a scholar. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I will attempt to climb then to try and get to this gear apparatus excellent so it is about 30 feet up and we're gonna come back to you so fleeple giving him a flat tire and lance just about to climb mal you stand in this darkened hallway before you no air blowing no sounds no rats just dead silence and the darkness before you Quickly, she proceeds, knowing that she's on a very short time limit. She's going to move very recklessly through this, which would make Lance very upset. And as you run about 60 feet, you hear the stone 
closing behind you and the bookcase resetting itself. Fool of a toque. <laughs> <laughs> you go another 120 feet. No light until you come to a set of double doors that stand closed before you. These double doors are very intricate. There is a whole mural etched into these stone doors and there appear to be creatures fighting one another some on the ground some in the air some in a river and these creatures are quite distinct but there are a lot of them and some of them seem to just like they're a swarm enveloping a larger creature bringing them down others have massive bolts of magic coming out of their hands none of them from what you can tell, appear to be humanoid. I'll allow you to roll a history check, though. Yeah, I can try. I think it's a... Yeah, it's a... Oh, 16. 16. Although you don't know exactly, because you're not trained in history, I believe, correct? No. Although you don't know exactly what this is depicting, you do know that the creatures that depicted on this wall are a mixture of demons and devils. And this river seems to be quite distinct, and the landscape seems to be harsh and bitter. But this is a massive battle that these creatures are engaged in. Zaza, in her closet form, is flapping next to your face, looks to you, and looks back. Telepathically, Malamara will tell Zaza to be on guard and to be cautious and Mal will try to see if I can simply push open the doors the doors open freely before you but they do open very loudly and as they click into place there's a resounding thud it's dark for a little bit but as you cross over the threshold take a step in there are braziers that start to light starting at your left the next one systemically they start to light up until all six illuminate this room before you oh yikes this room is a circular room and all of these braziers are held by different types of creatures some of them are demons and some of them appear to be devils some hold the brazier with both hands, others holding them, a lantern dangling on a chain. Others are shirking away from the fire in a very animated expression. But this circular chamber has steps leading down to the center of it. Almost like it could be a type of meeting area, type of amphitheater. And the architecture is quite impressive, but the thing that is most impressive or terrifying is the creature that is sitting in the middle of this circle. A massively white, bony creature. This creature is nine feet tall or long. It's hard to tell if they are bipedal or how they, how they normally stand or move about because they are curled up on the ground, seemingly motionless. Mal will have Zaza use her shape-changing ability to change into a bat 
and become uninvisible. And I will have the bat fly across the room near the creature to see if the creature will react to the sound of this bat flying by. Excellent. And do closets have shape-changing abilities? Yes. As Zaza makes themselves visible, turn into a bat, and fly into the room, the creature perks up, gets on all four legs, its haunches, and it's turning its head towards Zaza's direction. As you see it move, every movement it makes this horrifying clicking and clacking noise. Like all of their joints are getting put together every single time they move. And then as they move again, they're unclicking out of out of place before they lock in their next position. This creature, as I mentioned previously, is spiked all down its spine. It has this tail that is just barbed and spiked all the way through. And their claws, as they're standing up now, bipedal on their two legs, hunched over, their claws seem to be a good three feet long. It's unnaturally long. I was expecting you to end that with inches. I am... No, you're, yeah, you're right. Okay, it's late. <laughs> okay, Mickey. They went to the nail salon and they don't want to take them off. It's got those acrylics. Yeah. Three inches long. Thank you, Ned. No for bringing problem. me back to reality. <laughs> three I just heard three two yards went, long. Nope, nope. nope. <laughs> three football fields long. That's right. <laughs> It looks to Zaza as Zaza perches on one of these statues and just staring at it. Can Malamara feel the draw of that demonic book from where she's standing? Absolutely. Is it in this room or is it through the room to the other? It looks like there are stairs on the far side of that room. Correct. There are stairs past this creature. And those stairs, you feel that the book is past this creature past the stairs. Mal will actually probably quietly back up a little bit. Okay, roll me a stealth check. Oh, that was really, okay. 19, 20, 21. 21. Same roll. It did. You stand your ground and you crouch down and you just observe. This creature seems to be moving slowly towards Zaza. But after they move a good five feet, they stop. And go and roll me a perception check. For me or Zaza? Uh, for you specifically. Oh, that was not very good. Seven. Okay. This creature stops and gets down on their four limbs and is just waiting. I should also mention that before now, they have a set of wings, um, which I forgot to mention. And they were unfurled, but as they move towards Zaza and they are getting down on their four limbs, the wings start to fold in on their back. Mal will telepathically tell Zaza to return to her invisible form and still as the bat to fly up those stairs. And I'm going to wait there and see if she can find what she can find up those stairs. Okay. Zaza turns invisible and the creature perks up again. 
narrows their eyes, their beady eyes, and then just waits while you know Zaza has moved on. And we'll jump back to Fleeple and Lance. A little flip-flop, flip-flop. So Lance. Lance has got his hands on Fleeple's shoulders like, this is teamwork. We believe in us. This is why we stick together. We do it together. We're always together. <laughs> always, never apart. Always, always. Teamwork makes the dream work. Heal me. <laughs> not not in a physical way. You know what I mean? Like, flat tire me. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, got you. I, I've, I've got a, a nice cure wounds prepared nope, if you need nope, it. But... Don't need that. Don't need that yet. All probably, right. Probably soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll give him a flat tire. All right. And I will try and climb up. Go and roll me an athletics check. Can I parkour it? <laughs> Thomas, when will I be able to parkour? <laughs> I mean, once you vi- visit France and you learn from the masters, you know? <laughs> what is the good of acrobatics? Just tell me. <laughs> All right, here we go. Athletics with a flat tire. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Seven. That's bad. Only we had someone with strength to just pull themselves up these bricks using just their brawniness and vigor. Until she gets to the top and goes, now what do you want me to do? (laughs) What am I supposed to do up here? We all have flaws. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to touch this? No, don't touch it. Yes, touch it. Don't touch it. Don't touch. Don't. No touchy. You start to climb, but you don't get very far. It's not quite like Anna trying to climb the mountain in Frozen 1, but it's it's fairly close. You're like, you get like four stones up before you feel your arms start to shake. So you just hold yourself against the side. You don't have to jump down, but uh, you're a little tired. You have to take a little breather. So you're just holding yourself and like supporting yourself by mostly your feet, um, trying to like shake out your hands. <sighs> so yeah, you're about... Eight feet up. Can I attempt again? Yes. You can keep attempting. The higher you get, well, the more times you attempt, the higher the DC will go. And if you ever get like five less than the DC, you have the potential to fall and start taking some damage as a result of that or some exhaustion points. And Flapel, guidance is only touch, right? It is, I'm afraid. And I'm eight foot up, so you can't touch me anymore. Can't touch this. All right. I mean, Fleetwood could climb up and then try to give guidance. Yes, I will attempt it again. All right. I'm not sure how else an athletics to athletics check. Okay. 13. 13. 13. You get farther than eight feet. Um, you, you keep going. You, you've shuck out your arms. You, you're, um, you rub some of your, uh, some of your muscles and you're like, okay. And you start climbing up again. You don't quite get to the top, but you don't suffer any damage. You don't suffer any exhaustion as a result of that roll, but you do have to take another break, but you are about 20 feet up now. And you only, and it's only ten more feet to the mechanism that you can see, and you can see there is a cut out of the stone. Actually, there is this gear with a rope, um, uh, some sort of rope and pulley system, 
that is near the top of the ceiling and it is accessible if you were to climb up there you can access it you can't see if there's any latches from this distance or maybe you could maneuver the mechanism without getting up close to it but it is within sight and you can reach it as you keep going up these handholds if you desire i will try again okay dc is your arms are starting to burn a little bit the dc is difficult Gosh, I'm terrible at, the, at athletics. All right, here we go. Ten. Ten. You start to climb up. You climb, and you get about five feet, and your arms are killing. You have to stop. You have to stop. And as you stop to collect yourself, to get your breath, your foot slips. Great. Oh, boy. And you start to lose your balance. You rolled a 10. Not only do you start to lose your balance, you do lose your balance, and your fingers cannot grip on. They, they've, you've put them to, through too much exhaustion, and so you lose your grip, and you start to fall. 25 feet to the ground. Cool. And I don't have anything to stop me. So, you are falling, and I, I don't know if Lance would scream or not, but you start to fall from the almost <laughs> the top of the ceiling. <laughs> And uh, Fleeple, you're just, uh, you have this mantra of like, you got this sport, you got this sport, you got, and he starts to fall almost on top of you and you rush out of the way. Um, Rue's desk being 10 feet, just kind of observing this whole thing here. And Lance, you crash to the ground. You take seven points of bludgeoning damage. Your arms are killing you. Filippo, how long does your temporary hit points last? You had something that gave me temporary hit points. I think it was in the in the last fight we did. You keep the temporary hit points until you lose them or you take a long rest. So, okay, I kept them. Okay, so cool. So that's getting me four less than that. So I only take three damage. You're lying flat on your back, amazed that you didn't take more damage, amazed that that you didn't land on anybody here, and your arms and legs are killing from the effort. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So uh, I could potentially turn into an ape with an innate climb speed, but my intelligence is only plus one is the problem. As an ape or just in general? Just in could general. You car- could you carry him up? Why is there only one set of footprints on the brick wall? That was where I carried you, Lance Thalen. Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I don't. I, I'm not trying to ruin, ruin this, but in this moment, I would honestly turn to Mal and be like, "Can you climb it?" Mm-hmm. I yeah. would say Burping. that. Laying there on the ground, I'd be like, "Malamara, you think you can give it a go?" Mal, Mara. Yeah, Mal's not there. I'm looking around, not seeing Mal. I glance over at Rue's desk, and then I lean in close to Lance. And I'm like, did he eat her? (laughs) Rue's desk, the banished. Have you seen our compatriot, Malamara? I was not in charge of watching after her. That's not what I asked you. Insight check. I I would be, (laughs) yeah, I would go along with Fleeple and think this guy did something. I would roll an insight check as well. I'm listening for burps. Uh, both of you rolled some insight. That's a critical fail for me. He definitely ate Mal. <laughs> it's an 18 for me. Lance. Mm, you don't know about him. He seems a little shifty. 
18. He does seem to be telling the truth, Fleeple, but he is still a very off-putting creature. Not warm, not friendly in the least bit, and it appears that he's only doing exactly the bare minimum to take part in this transaction. Fleeple, I don't trust him. I think you're right. He might have eaten Malamara. (laughs) (laughs) If my services are required... I might be able to help you get up there. Uh, what kind of services are we talking about here? Ruse Desk the Banished lifts his very strange hand. I mean, I mean, everything about this creature is very weird and unearthly, or rather otherworldly is probably a better way to say that. But as he lifts his hand, Lance, you start to feel yourself lift into the air. Um, you can fight this if you want. I'm, what are you doing? What are you doing here? I am helping you get there. You could be more explicit. And you start to lift in the air if you don't resist, and he just starts to go up, up, up. Uh-oh. Fleeple, don't let him eat you! <laughs> I start singing to myself, I will get there by Boys Two Men from the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. <laughs> Wow. I just watched <laughs> Prince of Egypt on Sunday. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's a good song, guys. Oh, that side moment, hot take. I'd say that soundtrack is better than most most animated soundtracks of the last, like, 20 years. Oh, honey. 10 out of 10. I agree with you 100%. Oh, it's beautiful. Anyway. Highly underrated. <laughs> so beautiful. The musical soundtrack is also phenomenal. That's right. It was on the West End recently. The stage production, yeah. The West End production of it, the soundtrack is so good. He starts to lift you up the 30 feet, Lance Thalen, directly in front of this mechanism, and you are suspended in the air. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I will uh, examine the mechanism to see if there's a way to block it, to stop it from functioning, like not to be able to basically make it locked in place or maybe not locked in place because if that happens then well no because we have to get to the, the door is behind the dragon head right like can we see the door can we get to the door or is it like the dragon head is the door the dragon head is on the door itself that's why when the dragon head opens when the trap activates you can see through the door into the next room but the door has functionality apart from the dragon head yes it does open then and from this mechanism, uh, you were able to deduce last time that it had something to do with the floor dropping out beneath the door. I will try and get it stuck, like just to lock it in place. All right, go and roll me uh, an investigation check here to see if you can see if there's any like switches, levers, or how you can get this stuck itself. Nineteen. Nineteen. Without high of a roll, you can't see a lever or a mechanism, but you can deduce that this chain, actually, it's not rope because it has to be able to hold the weight of all of this concrete. Um, you can probably jam something in here into this gear, um, and you're fairly confident that it would hold, but you would need somebody with a lot of strength, and on top of that, you would need, uh, and, well, maybe a lot of strength. You might be able to finesse it in in the right exact way it might require a dexterity check and maybe some creativity about about what you shove in here to begin with. 
knowing that I'd probably want to try and go more finesse than just brute strength, I am going to take out the ceremonial dagger of the dragon cult to try and finesse it in somehow to the gears to lock it in place in a strategic placement. Okay. Sounds good. Fleeple, what are you doing while Lance is uh, going about this? I am singing I Will Get There by <laughs> Boys Two Men from the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. Okay. Lance, let's go ahead and have you roll a dexterity check. I'll allow you to add your proficiency because you're proficient with daggers. Well, actually, no, you're proficient with your thieves tool in particular. So we're going to have you do a thieves tool check right now. Okay. So that's... that's well, I am, yeah, I've given myself actually expertise in my thieves' tools. Even better. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Let's try this out. 24. 24. That's a good number. Excellent. So, Lance, how how do you finesse it in here to lock this mechanism in place? I just try and find a way where the gears are kind of, usually gears are pretty obviously succinct to each other to help each other move. I'm going to try and find a way to get in between that kind of border of some of the gears to stick the blade in so that when it tries to turn, it has the tension of the blade there that just holds it. But it has like the tension throughout the blade instead of just one spot so that it doesn't just break the blade off, but it's now the whole blade almost supporting itself against the gears. So the gears are almost applying as much pressure to themselves as to the blade. So as to not just have the blade crack and break as soon as it has pressure on it. Excellent. So you're able to finesse it in just so to where you can take your hand off of it and it's in place, but you need to you need to test it to see if it's going to stay in place. But I mean, that, with that high of a roll, um, it's it's in there. It looks good, but maybe you might need to activate it and have the gears move a little bit to actually catch itself. Uh, but it seems to be in the right place to where if this trap is activated, it, it might catch it and it might stop it. And you're fairly confident it should, but you won't know the result until you activate the trap itself. Ruse desk calls up to you. Are you almost done up there? Yes, yes, the banished. I am quite done. Please let me down gently and don't eat my friend. He, he lifts his hand back up again and just starts to bring you down slowly. The 30 feet down to the ground without issue. Oh, Fleeple, you're alive. I'll get through this no matter what it takes. I love that song. I love that song. I always tip the bard whenever they're singing it. I always tip the bard. (laughs) (laughs) Malamara. Yes. We jump back to you. Knowing that your time is probably very limited. Correct. And your friends without you realizing it, are already aware of your departure. How do you proceed? You sent Zaza off, so what do you do? While she's within that 100-foot radius, I will tell Zaza to try and locate that book, and I will try to sneak back down that corridor, back toward the other bookcase, leaving those doors wide open. I'm not going to try and close them. Before you even start to make your way back, Zaza says... I found it. Or in bat. Mel will have Zaza return to her demon form and see if she can lift the book. Before even changing, Zaza says she cannot get to it. 
but she sees it. Mal will use her ability to look through her familiar senses to see what Zaza sees in the room. As you zoom into Zaza's eyes, you see that there are more statues. These statues appear to be very distinct in nature, but Zaza's not looking at these statues. She's looking at this pedestal at the end of the room, and there is a book contained on the pedestal. Every time Zaza flies near it though, there's a force field and she's rebuffed by it. She turns into her closet form and she tries to reach for it and she's five feet from it. Sorry, not five feet. She is five five inches inches from it before she can grab it. (laughs) There's a lot of feet and inches here, okay? Yeah, things things get a little confusing when you look at your life through Zaza's eyes. Yep. There you go. (laughs) Ah. I see only one person got my Prince of Egypt reference. Yep. I got it. I heard it. I heard it. (laughs) Yep, there it is. (laughs) Zaza says, I'll need you. Quickly, before I know I have to get back... Uh, Mal will activate her Eldritch Sight in the room that she's currently in with this creature. Are any of the statues or any of the things in here magical? Like, all the things lit up magically, so are they all magical? Uh, the lights are. Um, that's evocation, which you could probably guess and ascertain is the fire. But something interesting that you can actually see faintly is in the center of this room with this creature, the spined white creature, there appears to be a shimmering between you and it. And the magic is conjuration. When Zaza flew by this creature, it didn't hit any kind of barrier, did it? No, Zaza didn't didn't, uh, go by the creature it went around uh, on the perimeter at least that's how i understood what you told me i think i did say that so this time i'm going to recall zaza and have her fly close to the creature try to fly right next to them yes okay or like right by them don't just stop but like fly right by and are you in uh, zaza's vision now No, I will return to my vision and have her return to me, flying close to that creature. Having Zaza turn into a bat again, they start to fly close to the creature, this creature being on alert before, and seeing the bat come back, they perk up again. They don't advance closer to the bat, but they are intent. Their wings are up, and Zaza gets close flies as close to the creature. I mean, how close do you want to get? Um, seeing that shimmering barrier, I want her to essentially fly through where I see that barrier on my side from the other side. Does that make sense? Because I'm trying to decide if it is a physical barrier, like what's around the book, or if it's something else. I see. So you want uh, Zaza to fly through the barrier, basically right next to the creature. Am I understanding that right? Correct. As Zaza flies through that shimmering portion just to test it out. Zaza does make it through the barrier and the moment Zaza passes through that barrier this creature leaps into action. What's Zaza's armor class? 13. So a 17 will hit 
Mm-hmm. And it tries to grab at Zaza. The second uh, it it grapples or tries to grab it, it claws at it with those three-inch <laughs> claws. And it does eight points of slashing damage to Zaza. A uh, quasit has damage resistance against slashing damage. Ooh, okay. So it would only be four points, which is lower than her total hit points. So she's not dead. Well, they have multi-attacks, so... (laughs) Naturally. Same exact roll, 17 to hit. So... That is seven points of slashing damage to Zaza then. And so half Which of that is three. three. She's still up. Wow. So this creature goes for Zaza, slashes at one. Uh, Zaza takes a takes the brunt of it, but is resistant to the damage, slashes again. And now Zaza is in essentially melee with this creature. And Zaza does have movement to leave this creature if you'd like. Yes. Okay. As Zaza leaves... Uh, she's going to turn invisible and then do that. Aha. As Zaza turns invisible and leaves, this is an opportunity attack, but with with disadvantage, I rolled a one and a two. So that is a critical failure. And this creature swipes at the air and lets out this blood curdling roar. Just this horrifying spirit shaking roar it frightens you to the bone and this creature's whole form just shakes and rattles with this disgusting and unnerving clattering as it shakes and um, at this point the creature is so frustrated it actually runs to where it thinks Zaza is and it smashes into this invisible barrier and then it yells to the sky and it smash it runs to the other side and smashes into another invisible barrier and it can't seem to pass a certain threshold and it just is yelling and roaring in a language and in uh with, with sounds that you've never heard before he's not speaking abyssal no zaza flies back becomes visible and just looks at you <laughs> eyes wide just staring directly into your eyes, flapping in front of your face. Not saying anything. Mal will dismiss Zaza to her pocket dimension. At that point, Zaza's like, and starts to reach for your face before disappearing. (laughs) Mal, what are you doing? Could I tell, because it hit a barrier, where that barrier is? Yes. There seems to be a distinct circle in the center of the chamber that it cannot pass by. I mentioned that the stairs lead down to the center, if you want. And at the bottom most, there is this platform at the bottom of these stairs, this wide circle, and this creature cannot move past that point, it seems. My Eldridge Sight can see it. It can confirm, yeah. Perfect. Mal will mark where it is in her mind using characteristics of the room with her Eldritch Sight to know exactly where that barrier is. She will then activate her second Rage of the Day and using her eagle form she will dash, double dash, double dash, double dash 
all the way through that room and into the other room where the Ned, what was it? Demon Demon Omicron. It's like if the demon was holding a con. A convention. A, con. a convention. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what I heard that time, yeah. It's like the Necronomicon, it's a demon convention. demons instead. As Mal starts to rush with this rage that's fueled her, your skin grows thicker, darker, your tusks grow a little bit longer, and you grip your weapon with not pulling it out, but you just rush and just see your goal. It's hard to see um, with your tunnel vision, but this creature does try to lunge for you, but you being outside of the radius, its claws just scrape against this barrier and magic starts to fizz and sizzle in the air. You hear this sickening sound of magic trying to be rent, but reforming and repelling this creature back to the center of its cage. And it just screams at you, that same scream you had before. Without issue, though, you're able to run 60 feet into the room. And then another 30 with your action, bonus action, and then your movement. Okay. And you find yourself in the middle of this area that Zaza was before. You see the pedestal 30 feet from you. And your rage as it leaves you. Because you did not take damage and you did not attack. Ugh. It leaves your body, exhausting you slightly for a moment before you refocus, recenter, and you walk up to this pedestal. Now we'll jump back to Lance and Fleeple. Lance Fleeple, uh, Mal has been gone since you've noticed that she's been gone for a good 10 minutes now. It feels like a long time. Um, but the dagger is in place. Ruse desk has helped you and swears that they haven't eaten Mal. I don't trust him. <laughs> there can't be a line at the restroom. This place is pretty empty. <laughs> that can't be. It's not like it's not like halftime. It's not like halftime at the gladiator pit where everyone just goes to the to the to the porter potties. And Yes, you know. I am going to formally apologize to one half of our listeners for my behavior just barely. <laughs> <laughs> It's not untrue. <laughs> I'll allow it. Um, I'll allow the apology. <laughs> uh, Fleeper, what should we what should we do here? I I'm worried. She doesn't usually. Well, that's not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm conflicted. I know we need to finish this trap, but I also she's gone missing in a secret, very dangerous library. But I mean, I. Mm, I could try summoning Star Platinum. Or oh, is, is, is he still around? He's probably still around. It's been less than an hour, right? Yeah, he has an hour. So Star Platinum's just like chilling, like reading a book in the corner there uh, by one of the statues. Ah, yes. <laughs> trying to think of what geeky reference I want to make. <laughs> ah, yes, the first installment of the Stardust Crusaders. Very appropriate. Anyway... <laughs> Ruse desk pipes up and goes, If your friend has left, then you too must fulfill our bargain. Listen, we'll fulfill the bargain. Just back up there, banished man. Okay? We haven't been banished. We stick together. We're close to opening this door. Yes, and you haven't we been able... We just need to get past the fire element, which the little one here 
says that they can get through themselves. Yes, but we need our strong friend. So if we don't have her, you don't get in the room. I might be able to help. Can you now? And begrudgingly, they lift their hand and start to lift you, Fleeple, into the air. Oh, okay. While they're doing this, Lance is going to try something. He's going to try and point his copper finger kind of around different areas of just this, obviously just in any direction, and keep repeating the phrase, Maramara, can you hear me? Where are you? Are you in danger? And I, I message, I, I, it's not, I don't think it's going to reach her, but it's supposed to go, I think, 150 feet? 120 feet is the range. Gotcha. Although it does go pretty far, Mal does not respond. Whether she heard the message and chose, chooses not to respond or whether she is not within range, you're unsure. But that does take you a little bit of time because you have to cast it. Six seconds, yeah. point one direction. Now I'm just going to be pointing it. north, south, so, east, west. Just trying general directions. And Rue's desk comes up to you, Fleeple, goes, Are you ready? I will get through the fire and make it through to the other side. You can do miracles if you believe. To that, Rue's desk tells you, Lance, you'll want to stand on the side. And he starts to move to the side and drifts you up, Fleeple, exactly in front of the dragon head here. I'll go to the hallway down here, just like out of out of the shot of this hallway, just a little bit up, just to be out of the shot of any fire that's coming our way. And again, trying to do my point thing and trying to message Malamara. Okay. Fleeple, you'll need to touch it to activate the trap. All right. I look back at Rue's desk, the banished, and the I banished, say, the banished, the banished. It's time. Okay. As you grasp this face, the jaw starts to open just like it had before previously. Um, and on your mark, he's going to throw you when you say to go. I pat the dragon's cheeks and say, thanks, friend. And I give Ruzdesk the thumbs up. Okay. As the fire starts to build, you can see past it, and he's going to try to throw you in, and he's going to roll with his spell modifier here to see how successful he is to get you into this room. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm -hmm. Thomas is counting. Thomas is opening a book. Give him guidance. Give him guidance, Fleeple. <laughs> you got this, sport. With his 17, you get thrust through. Um, he sort of like winds you up like a baseball 10 feet back as the flames start to grow and he throws you as you pin your arms and your legs down to your side and you're spinning like a like a top, just, yeah, just like a corkscrew in the air. And you go through the fire. You do take five points of fire damage as you go through the engulfing fireball, but you get past it and you hear the massive fireball in the hall behind you as you skid on the ground and you pat your fleece, you pat your body and you seem to be successful. And Lance, you rush over and you don't see Fleeple there and Ruse desk looks back to you. 
Where's my friend? <laughs> he is in. Fleeple, as you're in this room, it is immediately breathtaking. As Lance discovered, as he looked in, there are volumes and volumes of books in this room, and they go to the ceiling. Every wall is covered with some sort of bookcase or book, but there's a lot of dra draconic iconography everywhere. Statues, both for chromatic and platinum, or metallic, I should say, uh, dragons, and of course the, the platinum head of Bahamut over the door that you just were thrown through. Um, you see above that, on, into the stonework, there is a majestic um, figure of him there. You start to take this room in. When you hear something behind you, you hear the pitter-patter of feet similar to your own, and you hear them coming up you, and as you're preparing yourself, a creature turns the corner. A kobold, which, as Lance shared with you, you knew. But what Lance did not know is this kobold... Has, appears to have a bunch of adventuring gear on themselves. A pack, uh, a knife, a little cobalt shirt jacket, if you will. Their tail is a little saggy due to exhaustion. But the distinct feature of this creature is they have no fangs poking out of their mouth. And this cobalt goes, Jake, is that you? Jake? I run forward and I hug Mud as hard as I can. Aww. Yes! And that's where we're going to end this week's episode of iCast Fireball. It's birthday to me. It's not even my birthday, but happy birthday to me. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. Dude. Reunited and it feels so good. Thomas, you weren't there when we were talking about this, but last time we recorded, I said to Jake and Mickey, I don't want to jinx this, but I really hope it's mud. Yep, he, he sure did. did. He, he sure did, did 100% when you were out of the room. That's what he said. And we're like, oh, that'd be beautiful. Well, I was sitting on that for a little bit, and so I'm really glad to finally reveal Mud is That's somehow in this room. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, please don't tell me he Bahama works for the cult and we have to Bahama kill him. Trope. I also oh. equally wanted it to be like flu like future Fleeple. Or like <laughs> his evil twin. <sighs> hey. Oh now that would have been crazy. <laughs> like there was some a spell that was like a mirror it's spell. It's Reeple. My twin. <laughs> it's Reeple. Well, if it does turn out that that mud is here for some sort of unsavory purpose and you guys turn on him, I will be turning on you to hang out with my pal. Just a just oh, a of course. <laughs> <laughs> We will do. No, we're, no, no, we're, no, no, no. we're gonna do, we're gonna do like like you know we're gonna do one of those cult abductions. We'll take him out of the cult. We'll we'll try and de-brainwash him. We're, we're gonna get him through. Perfect. This. We're gonna get him through this. Well, we'll see how this relationship, how this uh, see what Mud's purpose is here on the next episode of iCast Fireball. Everybody, 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of iCast Fireball. We hope you've enjoyed discovering that mud is in this dungeon as I was excited holding on to that information until I was bursting at the seams. So wherever you get your podcast from, please leave us a review and let us know how much you love mud. Uh, it boosts our ratings. It lets, you know, lets us know that you love him and uh, that we should keep putting him more in our future episodes. Uh, if you want to write something a little longer, shoot us an email, iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you're doing and we'd love to see some fan art of mud uh, and Filippo being reunited. Oh my gosh, I just warmed my heart thinking about that. Um, But we'd love to get the word out there and of course set this podcast on fire. Now to get the most recent up-to-date content, follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle iCastFireball20. We also have a Facebook fan page, I believe, that we just set up as well that you can go and start posting your uh, theories and your um, pictures or questions for us as well. You can get interesting insights of upcoming episodes and shots of us making this fun world. And it's Jacob here. We wanted to give a special shout out to a fan email we got recently from Jerica. It was just so wonderful and it touched us so much that we wanted to share it with you all. It says from Jerica, just wanted to say you guys are amazing. I've tried listening to a few other D&D podcasts in the past, but I haven't stuck to them for very long. But I eagerly await every one of your episodes. I love your characters. I love how you DM. I love that you're family friendly. And of course, I love the sound editing. We couldn't agree more, Jerrica. Mickey does a fantastic job. Thomas does a fantastic job. And we definitely are a family here. So that's why we try and keep it that way. Also, Jerrica did ask in her email to give a special shout out because it is her birthday or it was her birthday. Her birthday recently came up and she specifically wanted Lance Thalen to give a shout out. Lance Thalen's a super private guy, Jerrica. I don't, oh. yes, you heard me talking about you. Okay, okay, I'll get out of the way. Gosh dang it. Hello, Jerrica. We'd like to say thank you so much for giving us this special shout out and for being a fan of iCast Fireball, and we'd like to wish you a happy, happy birthday. Now, Fleeple told me that it is customary on a birthday to sing to someone, so, happy birth, nope, not gonna do it. Sorry, Jerrica, can't do that. Uh, uh, not that confident in it, but again, Jerrica was so thankful for you being a fan, for this beautiful, beautiful email, and again, this is Lance Salen wishing Jerrica a happy birthday from I Cast Fireball. As always, we have our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop with Ned, where he goes through Fate Accelerated and Avatar Legends. Both are amazing, whether it's just a one-month uh, mini-adventure or the ongoing Avatar campaign they have. I myself started re-watching the Avatar series again, so I am loving the work that Ned and all of the, his players are doing over there, so go give them a five-star review, everybody. But lastly, like, subscribe, and share with your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM, and around the table we have... Malamara, Lance Thalen, and Filippo. Let's keep that fire going, and we'll see you all next time.